I'll be reading to this morning from Mark 1, 35 through 44. Verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found them, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out the demons. Verse 40, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning so that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. And you can stay there in Mark <clears throat> chapter 1. Because I want to show you what I hope to accomplish today with this particular sermon. And that is to get the, there you go, <clears throat> my purpose in life. Learning to say no for the sake of others. So that's going to be the text that we're going to be in. Now again, look, this is a really exciting day. And we've been looking forward to this day for a long time. And I know that this evening that um, there are going to be a lot of emotions. Matter of fact, I'm already fired up and ready to go. But I know that it also might cause some uh, anxiety and health issues. So I've got, uh, I've got Prozac with me, and I've got blood pressure medicine and heart medicine. If you'll come see me, I'll make a deal with you, okay? That way, that way there'll be no issues tonight. So we all wore Kansas City stuff. Somebody in the back earlier this morning said, you know what you should have done? To test the spiritual maturity of this congregation, you should have worn a Niner shirt and stood up there and preached. See, I already know that lack of spiritual maturity exists in this place. I said, no, I'm not going to dare try that. But anyway, um, one other thing before we jump again into the text. And that is, I hope, especially if you're visiting with us, that you're just worshiping with a bunch of ordinary people who have their struggles and difficulties in life, that we are committed to Jesus and overcome by his death for us so that we could live. But we all still have these issues. Matter of fact, <clears throat> I found a, an older picture of a therapy dog that I used to have uh, that just it didn't work out. <clears throat> Can you read those words? <clears throat> Is that not hilarious? Isn't that us? That's us. Right? Even when we try to do something good, it's like, psh, overwhelm the dog. Okay, en enough of that. So here's what um, we have 
looked at, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, and we're proceeding a, a little bit further today. So let's review. When we began the, the, the Gospel of Mark, <clears throat> right, Jesus is baptized. And the proclamation, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. I am pleased with you, right? This proclamation, glory, where, where most of us begin when we give our life to Jesus. But immediately, from that point, He's sent out into the desert, the wilderness, and He's tempted for 40 days. He's tempted. He's tried. He has to, he has to rely on God in the Word. <clears throat> He comes out of the wilderness and says, look, here's the message. Kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe. We talked about repenting. We talked about what it meant. That, that's, that applies to us. Right. <clears throat> After that, he walks up to some folks and says, follow me. Let's go. Let's go. And they leave everything. And they follow him. They are following. They're committed to Jesus. We looked at integrity. Right after that, he's teaching in the synagogue. A demon-possessed person begins to speak out. Jesus makes us, takes a stand against those things that harm, hurt, stress out a person, evil. We, that will not be tolerated. And there are some things in life that we have to learn just to put our foot down and stand against what is wrong in this world. So, having said that, we come to verse 35. And here's what we discovered. I want to kind of, I had Lee read this so you can keep it in front of you as we go through it. Now, here's what we discover about Jesus here in, in, uh, in verse 35 and following. Now, watch this. Very early, he got up. Right? Very early in the morning, he got up. Where is uh, John Green? John Green and I, we're more like Jesus than you could ever imagine because we get up early in the morning. Amen? Look at that. Look at that. Right, so he got up. He got out of bed. He left the house. And he went to a solitary place. There's some significance to this concept. That he was willing, there was something so pressing that he was willing to give up something in order to gain something. And he got up early. He went to a solitary place. And I think that that shows us, and we're going to have to hurry today, that Jesus had some end in mind, right? Which I think we know. But he had the end in mind. That he was motivated, that he had some level of passion for something that he was able to give up on sleep in this case. And I think about my own life. And I say, what is it that I am so motivated about? What is it that I'm so passionate about that I'm willing to give up things for? Will I give up television? Will I give up internet surfing and, and social media or activities or hobbies that really don't benefit me? That's what you see Jesus doing here. He had this end in mind. He knew where he was going. Second thing it tells us, that he went to spend time with God. I want to again talk about this. One-on-one -on -one time with God alone. It's not 
the easiest thing in the world to do. To go before God and to lay your life, to lay your soul bare before God. It puts us immediately in one of those situations in life, those existential situations. What am I, what am I here for, God? What am I doing with my life? To be quiet, to pray, to just be with God. So he's motivated. He gets up early. He's spending time. He's dealing with God. This is a concept with us. Dealing with God and myself. I don't like to deal with myself sometimes. One of the things that I've noticed in my own life is that if I can stay real busy, right? Again, now I learned that the, the character that I always think about when I say the word busy comes out of the uh, snowman, the Christmas snowman movie, right? Busy, busy, busy. We want to stay busy. I don't have to think. I don't have to deal with what's really, what my life is really about. What are my priorities? You see, that's what going one-on-one with God does, boy. It, it, it brings your priorities right in line. What am I doing with my life? How is my mindset? Am I continuing to grow and become, or am I making excuses? So you can't make excuses when it's just you and God. Right? You, you can't. And God knows everything. So he prayed. Next thing. Now all of a sudden he's praying, right? And you read in there. The disciples come along and they say, Hey, Jesus, what in the world are you doing? You can't be out here. Very early in the morning, away from everybody else, in solitary confinement, praying to God one-on-one. What in the world's going on? Don't you know that people are looking for you? Don't you know? Okay, here's my word. Don't you know there are other things that are going on in life? Don't you realize that there are, there are important things, that there are people that need you? This one's a challenge. The old phrase is, I want to learn to um, put aside the good for the great. The good for the better. The better for the best. How do we do that in life? And I struggle with this in ministry. Probably some of you wrestle with this on the job or at home or ultimately with with your entire life. All of the noise. Well, you need to do this. You need to do that. Well, these things, you're, if you focus on that, you're leaving all of this undone. Right? So they come to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, what are you doing? And Jesus is able to decide and eliminate. Now, the word decide means to cut, by the way. You were going to cut. Again, we talked about this. When I decide, I've got two options. When I make a decision to go with A over B, I've just cut B. I'm going with A. But he was also able to eliminate. You ever, have you ever wrestled with this story where Jesus says, they say, Hey, look, people are looking for you. They need help. They need healing. These are good things. And Jesus says, um, No, let's go on over here. No, I don't think so. People need you. People are hurting. Nope. I'm going to go a different direction. 
How was he able to do that? And here, I think, is why. He said, let's go over there and preach the good news to them and heal them because that is why I was sent. He knew his purpose. He knew his purpose in life. And so purpose equals the ability to say no. It helps us understand what's really important and what's of lesser importance. We get requests all the time. There's activities that we can be involved in all the time. How do I learn to say no? It's when I understand my purpose. It deals with focus. Jesus talks about the single eye in the Sermon on the Mount. When you have single eye, your body will be full of life. Meaning you know what you're here for. You know what it's about. You know what the direction that you're going. But now watch what happens. There has to be preparation. I have to get up early. I have to wrestle with God. I have to be dealing with all of these demands and distractions and know exactly what to eliminate. And I need to learn what to say no to so that when I say yes, it's in that specific direction. And these are challenging. Okay? But here's the one I want to spend the rest of the time on. Loving others. So right after this story, Jesus is uh, encounters the man with leprosy. And a man with leprosy came to him. And he begged him on his knees. If you're willing, Jesus, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the man, uh, the leprosy left him. And he was cured. And Jesus basically said to him, don't go tell anybody. I don't need you to go tell others. I think there is some connection here between Jesus going out to pray and knowing his purpose and being able to say no and having focus to ultimately get to these opportunities. To love other people. Because ultimately, that is my mission in life. Our mission is, after we love God and Love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is to love our neighbor as ourselves, but to love others. And so what you see here with Jesus is, here's someone that came to him on his knees. They were humble and they were serious. Jesus knew it. This leper came to him like, whoa. That's a position that says, I am completely surrendering to you, Jesus. I really want this. And what you notice is that Jesus had compassion. That impacted Jesus. More, more than that, he reaches out and touches the man. That's risky. That's intimate, but that is very risky. Why? He's unclean. He's unclean, according to Jewish law at that moment. But he helped this man overcome. Here's the 
here's what I want you to think about in our lives. Investing in others to overcome and to flourish. And I'm going to camp right here for the rest of the sermon. I want to come at it from as many possible um, angles as we can. But not only to invest, to overcome and flourish, but to become greater than me. Does that sound familiar, by the way? Jesus said about himself and his ministry, Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He'll do greater things because I'm going to the Father. Jesus is the one that said, My whole life is about doing the will of the Father, but so then you will do greater things than I do. Jesus doesn't want the glory shined on Him, you know, in a a humanly perspective. I want you to do this. I want to give my life so that you go beyond where I am. What an incredible philosophy of life. So let's look at this, okay? Now get ready. I'm about to raise your blood pressure just a little bit here. Right? So we have the Kansas City Chiefs that are in the Super Bowl today, right? And you say, what a coincidence. That I mean, that's just just luck. That's a miracle that they're in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, they're just... They're just going along, and they're like, oh, man, the season's upon us. I guess we better start throwing the football, and, and they're in the Super Bowl, right? And you say, no, sitters, you don't understand anything about anything. <laughs> you don't know anything. No, it's not a coincidence. <clears throat> they had to work. They had to get ready. They prepared. They were challenged. They challenged each other. There's a lot of sweat. There's a lot of blood. They get banged up. They have to hit the weights. They have to learn the playbook that's larger than a chemistry book. There's all of this work that's taking place. They have to make sure that they draft correctly. They have all season. There's running. There's encouragement from one another. There's accountability from one another. And today, this evening, what you're going to see is they're out there having put all of that in place. They are fighting for each other. They're fighting for Coach Andy Reid. Everybody in this country wants Andy Reid to win the Super Bowl. And they're out there fighting for him. They put in all this work. And I promise you this. If somebody on the Kansas City Chiefs, besides one of the stars, becomes the star tonight and wins the game for them, Mahomes... Kelsey are all going to be going, yes, Woo! way to go, yes. They're not going to say, well, that should have been my pass. I'm telling you right now. I'm not putting up with this anymore. No, you do it. Go ahead. Go, go, go. So they have challenged each other. They have worked hard. They have prepared for this. They had in mind at the beginning of the year, they probably had in mind years, they had in mind 50 years ago, we want to win the Super Bowl. What is it going to take? Right, so we understand that um, in, 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 in athletics. Abraham Lincoln said this way. Give me six hours to t- chop down a tree, and I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. 
You make the application to the text and to your life. If I have six hours to accomplish this, I'm going to spend the first four sharpening the axe. I'm going to spend the majority of the time working on myself, my skills, my time alone with God, whatever it is. Now, here's what we need, all of us. And I want, to, I want you to think about this in the church context. We all need challenge. Right? That's one of my jobs every week when I stand here is to challenge you, to make you think, but to also support and encourage. Now, look at what this says. At the bottom is support. If support is low, we don't have the encouragement, and the challenge is low, stasis. We just stay the same. Now, how many of us, if we're honest, look back and say, yeah, for the last few years, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm just the same. If support is high, but there's no challenge to do anything, you just confirm who you are and what you're doing. Nobody's challenged you. Nobody said, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's pick it up a little bit. So you think, "Mm, I guess this is right. So you just confirm your behavior and lifestyle. Now, if challenge is high, but there's no support, you're like, I'm out of here. I don't need this. All they do is get on to me. All they do is point out what's wrong. There's no love. There's no encouragement. There's no help here. But here's what we have to have in life. We need challenge to be high. And we need support and encouragement to be high. Because when that happens, we grow. Okay? So here it is. We must... As followers of Jesus, never settle for status quo. We must never stop where we are. We must continually face those challenging questions and make decisions about life. But we must love other people and help them overcome and thrive. Now, here's the other part of that graph. You can do it. With God's help, we can do it. But you don't just need to hear me say it. This, this section here, you've got to tell each other. This section here, you've got to encourage each other. In our Bible classes, we have to hold this as a standard. In the assembly, in our reach groups, everywhere we go, let's go. Can't stay where we are. But you can do it. You can do it. It takes time. Let's take it from another perspective. A person has two hands, one for helping himself and the other for helping others. Let me give you another mountain scene. Helping other people can be a cure. Not just for those who are in need, but for your own soul as well. I said, you know, I think I, I think I remember a Bible verse. It's better to give, help me out with the rest of it, than to, huh, what Jesus said. Carol Friedman wrote this. You can't hardly see it. I'll read loud. I think mentoring another is essential in life 
both being a mentor to someone and being mentored. And I think that when you are mentored, it inspires a generosity in you to mentor others. And that, I know, is what happened with me. So, for instance, the people that come through my studio to work for me, it's not good enough for me just to give them a paycheck. What she goes on to say is, I want to develop them. I want to help them. I want them to become greater than myself. How about from another angle? The greatest success is helping others become successful too. And I remember the words of Jesus, no greater love than a man lay down his life for a friend. And I'm willing to give my life, my energy for you so that you can overcome, so that you can flourish, so that you can be challenged and supported. Jesus said that the greatest among you will be your servant. Those that give to others. Because being successful doesn't necessarily make you great. What makes you great is when you reach back and you help somebody else become great. Am I doing this with my life? I have to ask myself. Have I prepared myself for these things to happen so that I am involved, connected with people, and I want to help them grow and develop and become? Brian Tracy said it this way, successful people are always looking for opportunity to help others. Unsuccessful people are saying, what's in it for me? What are you going to do for me? What is this system doing for me? And of course, one of my favorite, probably yours too, the great Zig Ziglar. You can have everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want. Isn't that what Jesus did? And the reason he was able to do it is because he had that focus. So here's the challenge. Are you ready? I want to challenge you today. And it's this. Will you and I begin, or for some of us continue, to invest in others? Would you pour yourself out into others to teach or to help? Help them overcome, then flourish, to become greater than you. What a challenge. It's a challenge. I've been thinking about this since I read this text for for several days now. Let me say this. Okay, in a hurry. Some of you have developed yourselves for years, and you're very successful. You're very good at what you do. But you've also then developed yourself in other areas of life, not just with your vocation, but with your, but, but with your mental attitude, your emotional, your relational, your leadership skills, right? So we have developed ourselves, and I think that can, it is very God-honoring. But the challenge today is, will you and I accept this call to do that with other people. Not just ourselves. 
So what would it mean in the realm of spirituality? That you would help. That you would assist. That you would invest. What about relationally, socially, when it comes to... See, some of us need help and how do we get along with others and how to... Right? And in marriages, some of you, boy, you have a great marriage. And we just look up to you. You've been married for 143 years and we're like, wow! I'm just checking to see if anybody's awake. Wow, that's amazing. How, do you, how did you do that? What about mentally and emotionally? Right? Sometimes we struggle. We get scared. Emotionally, they kind of get out of hand. Some of you have been through the dark night of the soul and you've been on this journey and God, with the help of God and with your effort, you have overcome this. Could you help us? What about physically? The challenges that we have. Could we help each other? What about even financially? I would love to see a system where Christians who are successful financially, and of course you can, you know, you can define that however you want, don't just do it for themselves, but they teach others how to do it. We just invested with one another, connected. We know what our calling in life is. And by the way, I believe this is a calling in life for everybody. Leadership skills. So as I learn to do this, and I make the commitment to help others, to lift others up, I, I, I find no greater joy in this life. There's no greater joy than this. So remember that when, when we think this through, that for Jesus, there was preparation on His part. That there was passion he was motivated to get up, to say no to things. He had his priorities correct. I could not keep this thing going with the letter P, so then I had to just use the Lord eliminate. He, had, he knew how to eliminate stuff. Right? There was work to be done. He knew his purpose so that he was able to say no. And because of all of that, it came down to, you know what? It, it came down to us. It came down to others. Loving others and assisting them to overcome and to flourish. Now, here's what it takes. If, if you are one that heard this today and said, Oh, I need, I need somebody to work with me, to train me, to love me. And have, we have to be like lepers that go hum, humbly to someone on our knees and say, Will you help me? It takes being humble. But I want us to keep our eyes open for people and for opportunities that we can pour into their lives and help them, and here's the goal, to become greater than myself. Wow, what a great concept. Jack Welch said it this way. Before you're, you are a leader, success is all about growing yourself. When you become a leader, success is all about growing others.
may we do that for one another and with one another. Okay? It's a challenge. We can do it. I don't just want to focus on my life and how am I doing with God and well, I hope I'm saved today. No, no, no. There's so much more to that. Thank you, God, that I am saved. And I want to pass that on. And I want to do it in the lives of other people. And bless them. I want them to flourish. We can do that. And so we say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you sent Jesus to show us this. By the way, we're still just in chapter 1 of Mark. And look at all of this. Jesus is amazing. He's challenging. He's encouraging. But He's calling you. Come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. Follow me. Let's go. Get up. John and I will be doing a seminar on early morning rising pretty soon. We're going to help people around here. Get up out of bed. Let's go. Thank you, God, that you sent Jesus to challenge us so that we can become more. And so we're going to stand in just a minute and sing a song of encouragement. At that time, if we can pray for you, you can come to the front. Okay? Jesus is challenging and He is supportive. And we want to be the same way. May God have all the glory. But before we stand and sing, let's go, Jesus. Let's stand and sing together, please.